0: History changes words.
1: A good example of this comes from agriculture. When I say corn or strawberry or banana, some very specific fruits come to your mind. But if I took you back in a time machine and you saw corn from a thousand years ago, it would look very different.
0: Yeah, these plants were domesticated over time, so they meant something different before that process.
1: Similarly, when the Bible speaks of dogs, it wasn't talking about your little pookie. Dogs 2,000 years ago were less domesticated. The modern breeds didn't exist yet.
0: So to understand the original meaning of some words, we have to start by unlearning our modern definitions that come from history that wasn't part of the Hebrew worldview.
1: Today we're going to be talking about slavery in the Bible, which is a difficult and important topic. Our modern concept of slavery comes to us from the cruel, race-based chattel slavery of the transatlantic slave trade. This one English word, slavery, is packed with 400 years of pain and suffering.
0: Slavery is mentioned a lot in our English Bibles. So it's important that we wrestle with what's being said. And if we rely on our modern assumptions, there are things we will miss. For example, in Leviticus 25 verse 42, God says of Israel, "'They are my servants, "'whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. "'They shall not be sold as slaves.'"
1: This text illustrates a problem that we have to deal with. In English, we have separate words for servant and slave. But in Hebrew, there's actually only one word, evid.
0: In 1611, the Bible was translated into English for the first time. The King James Version translated Eved as servant every time with only one exception. They only translated Eved as slave once.
1: Other Western translations followed a similar schema. The old German translation didn't have a single occurrence of the German word for slave. And the same was true for Spanish and French.
0: But then the transatlantic slave trade took hold of the Western world. Chattel slavery corrupted the church in many ways, and as the years passed, Western nations began translating Eved as slave more and more until it was used well over a hundred times.
1: Translators drew connections between the evid of the Bible and their chattel slavery as a means to justify and normalize slavery.
0: But countries further east didn't usually do this. Like in Hungarian, they just used the same generic neutral term the whole time.
1: They didn't switch between servant and slave.
0: So let's start with a clean slate and ask, what did Eved really mean to the Hebrews?
1: Eved was a relational word that meant something was dependent on their relational partner in some way. We see Eved used to describe prophets, Israel, Levitical priests, and worshipers of the Lord. We also see it used to describe military captains, common soldiers, and sometimes even inanimate objects.
0: Yeah, it was a pretty generic word that had to do with working for someone or serving someone. In fact, it's used more than 800 times in the Hebrew Bible, and only about 15% of these are translated slave in modern
1: translations. In the beginning, before the fall, we see that God created humans to avad the earth, the verb form of evad. We were to serve the earth itself, and what that looked like was going to be extending the garden and cultivating the ground.
0: The person we were really serving was the Lord, because the earth belongs to Him.
1: That's right, and we were created dependent on the Lord. But He also made us to rule with Him. So Genesis 1 describes God as giving man and woman the authority to rule the earth and the animals. Serving God meant ruling in His name. But humans sinned.
0: And instead of ruling over creation, making the whole earth into a beautiful garden, we turned our power against each other. And we ruled one another in a variety of ways and were cruel to varying degrees.
1: Before we can really understand what it meant to be an Eved, we need to remember what the ancient world was like. In Mesopotamia, less than 10% of people lived in cities. 90% of the economy was agriculture.
0: There was no fertilizer, no irrigation, and no mechanical farming. Everyone worked in agriculture, and societies barely produced enough extra food to support a few specialty trades.
1: In modern times, we forget how perilous life was. You couldn't just go to the grocery store if you were hungry, or get a job and a career that interested you.
0: You had to cultivate food, or you would have nothing to eat. And if you ran out, or your crops failed, you might starve.
1: And because of the harsh realities of that world, serving someone was common. Most families were one crop failure away from poverty, and crops often failed. And if your crops did fail, then what?
0: Is that when you might sell yourself and become an evid?
1: Well, yes and no. If Israel actually followed God's law, that would never have been necessary. God says in Deuteronomy 15 that if a fellow Israelite ever becomes poor, everyone should lend him whatever he needs and charge no interest.
0: The Lord even says that debt should be forgiven on the Sabbath year if he can't repay it.
1: And it actually goes as far as to say that you're guilty of sin if you refuse to lend to your brother just because you think he won't repay you.
0: So if God's people helped the poor that way, no one would ever become an Eved, because the poor would always be able to borrow what they need without charge.
1: And we see elsewhere that it was never God's ideal for people to serve as Eved. The Lord destroys Egypt for enslaving Israel. In Amos 2.6, He threatens to judge Israel because they were practicing slavery. In Deuteronomy 23.15, God tells Israel to protect those who were fleeing slavery.
0: So slavery was not what the Lord wanted, no matter what it looked like.
1: And throughout history, slavery has existed in a wide variety of forms. The least extreme is something we might call indentured servitude. Here, the servant might owe someone labor to pay a debt, but the servant is otherwise free.
0: A modern example might be a private contractor who enters into a contract where they are paid in advance for work, and then they owe that work or else they're stealing from the other party.
1: A more extreme form of forced labor, one that really is slavery, comes when someone owns not just someone's labor, but claims ownership of the actual person.
0: And then, the most extreme form of slavery, the version practiced in the American South, was chattel slavery, where the enslaved people were
1: dehumanized. The enslaved were completely deprived of all rights and treated worse than animals, because you don't whip animals to make an example of them. So
0: which one of these forms of servitude would be described as an Eved in the Bible?
1: It's complicated because the Bible covers 4,000 years of history across multiple cultures. So different forms appear in that span. A lot of times Eved was just a plain paid worker or even a soldier or priest. Other times they were indentured servants or some really were enslaved, but chattel slavery never existed in Israel. In fact,
0: according to Exodus 21, kidnapping a person to enslave them was a capital crime.
1: Let's break it up and talk about the first category, the one that looks more like indentured servitude. What does the Bible have to say about that?
0: So again, this was never God's ideal. But if crops failed or someone had no food, they were allowed to sell their future labor to a fellow Israelite.
1: Deuteronomy 15.12 describes this. If any of your people sell themselves to you and serve you for six years, in the seventh year, you must let them go free. And when you release them, do not send them away empty-handed. Supply them liberally from your flock, your threshing floor, and your wine press. Give to them as the Lord your God has blessed you.
0: So the terms of service was limited to a maximum of six years. And then the evid received what they needed to make it on their own.
1: Yeah, so imagine that rats get into your food stores and you lose everything. Rather than starve, you might contract your son, Levi, to work for farmer Yaakov next season. Yaakov has a vineyard, and he regularly hires extra help. So Levi will still live with you and be a full citizen in Israel, but he will have the obligation to serve farmer Yaakov.
0: And this was the assumption of Hebrews serving as Ebed. The Bible routinely describes them as Israelites who are selling themselves, and God's law regulates the practice by putting limits on it.
1: For example, Leviticus 25 says that an evid could repurchase his own freedom by repaying the outstanding portion that he owes.
0: Or Leviticus 25 verse 39 says, If any of your fellow Israelites become poor and sell themselves to you, do not make them work as evid. They are to be treated as hired workers.
1: So even an evid was not supposed to be treated like an evid. You can kind of feel the tension in that statement. An Israelite would generally become an Evid by selling themselves. But there was one instance where they might be forced to become an Evid. This is where the Evid system will confront us and challenge our ideas about criminal justice. As we mentioned, 90% of the Israelite economy was subsistence agriculture. In the context of that poverty, they couldn't afford to maintain and operate prisons. Kings generally had a small prison in their palace, but in the Old Testament, prisons weren't used for ordinary criminals.
0: So if someone committed a crime, what did they do?
1: Well, they couldn't afford to feed prisoners. So on a practical level, their punishments had to either be immediate or somehow not interrupt that agricultural work. The criminal had to keep cultivating food for there to be enough.
0: So God's law came into a context that had some serious constraints. Prisons weren't a realistic
1: option. Because of this, in Israel, they tended to make violent crimes capital offenses, because if you cannot lock a murderer up, he might continue to murder. But
0: most crimes were dealt with through monetary fines.
1: For example, if you stole an ox and you got caught, you would have to return the ox, but you'd also have to pay the victim a fine that was one, four, or even five times the value of the stolen ox, depending on the circumstances.
0: And that makes sense. But what if you didn't have money to pay the fine?
1: Exodus 22.3 says, anyone who steals must certainly make restitution, but if they have nothing, they must be sold to pay for their theft.
0: So... The Evid system was used in criminal justice as an alternative to prisons.
1: Yes, and that's where we see that the Evid system was actually far more compassionate than our current prison system.
0: So in Israel, rather than being consigned to a prison cell, a thief would be forced to work to repay his fine. The maximum sentence was only six years. During his sentence, he would be treated as a hired worker, provided basic needs. And then, when his sentence was complete, he would be provided a startup package to get him back into society.
1: Contrast this to the American criminal justice system, where people sometimes serve decades in a small prison cell for crimes like possession of marijuana or giving a ride to someone who shoplifted, intentional or not. And within our prisons, conditions are often terrible.
0: And most people don't realize this, but we have forced labor in our prison system. Hundreds of major companies use prison labor, which is compulsory and often pays less than one cent an hour.
1: And when our prisoners are set free, they are often given a cold reintroduction to society. In fact, they often owe fines and fees that are garnished from their wages, and they have trouble finding work because of their criminal record. The Israelite system was far more rehabilitative to the criminal.
0: So the Lord didn't want anyone to be an Ebed. The whole system was a way to deal with poverty and criminal justice in a difficult context. People weren't supposed to commit crimes, and the poor were supposed to be cared for. But because God knew His people wouldn't always follow these commands, He also bore with their Eved system by placing constraints on it.
1: Micah 4.4 shows what God really wanted, as it depicts every person owning their own vine and fig tree. God tells Israel to allow the poor to pick food from any field. To glean the edges. The poor were supposed to be protected. It
0: reminds me of when Jesus said that God allowed divorce in the Torah not because it was his ideal, but because he knew their hearts were hard and they would divorce either way. So he regulated the system.
1: Yes, God's law in the Torah is not his highest ideal for life on earth. It comes after the fall of humanity into a particularly difficult context. And it was triage, emergency measures, to stamp out and restrain evil in that context.
0: Some laws in the Torah do showcase the Lord's real intentions, His ideal, and others make allowances for the hardness of people's hearts.
1: Jesus later makes it clear that God's highest law is summarized by God's command to love.
0: Jesus took the Torah and pointed it right at the people's hearts and affections, showing that God was really after their heart transformation not just a checklist of do's and don'ts.
1: The Lord created humans to serve Him from hearts full of love. But we rebelled, and rather than serving God and ruling the earth, we tried to rule each other. Knowing that people sin, God made concessions with the Evid system, putting up guardrails.
0: And even these guardrails, never mind the actual ideal, challenged the heartlessness of our justice system. Knowing that God's aim was for us to love Him, and love our neighbor made in his image. The term Eved invites us to consider what it looks like for us today to love our neighbors,
1: particularly those within our criminal justice system and those in cycles of debt and poverty.
0: We'll leave with a quote from Isaiah 49 verse three. And he said to me, you are my Eved Israel in whom I will be glorified.